Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Thank you for downloading episode 307. This week, we have Kicking the Homeless Out, a sweet story from ATL, Lowering Standards, Bring in the Guard, a dead defector, Fired over loose bolts, flashbang breast, and an update to a sad story. I'm Dave Roberts. My usual partner, Ken, is seeing Mickey Mouse in Paris right now, and I kid you not. So filling in is attorney, great attorney, and uh, a wonderful person, Catherine Bernard. Hey, good morning. This is great to be on, Dave. Thanks. Really appreciate you you, uh, filling in. I'm a huge fan of yours. Well, thank you so much. I, you know, try to do the good justice work out there. I know you and Ken have been fantastic at getting the word out on so many issues. Uh, well, we try. Yeah, at least, at least our listener uh, <laughs> hears what we put out. <laughs> so well, I'll definitely share the episode. Hopefully, we can get some views. <laughs> oh, I, actually, when when uh, uh, th- when the guys are in session down there, well, guys and girls are in session down there. Uh, our listenership goes up because people under the Gold Dome do listen. Uh, well, they need to know why they're wrong. So I'm so glad they're letting you tell them. Well, pretty much any any bill that doesn't add to freedom, they're wrong. Which is unfortunately most bills. I was uh, talking to Jessica, uh, uh, President's Day weekend. Uh, Connie and I went down there to, to well, really to, to visit the baby, the little dumpling. But I was telling Jessica, I said, you put me up there and I'll just lay a brick on the red button and just sit back in the chair and take a nap. It's rough out there. Although I did hear there is going to be a bill introduced to end the use of school zone speed cameras. So that's something promising out there. Oh, Kenny would be happy to have that. He's, he was fighting one. I've gotten a few myself down in Soperton on the way to court. They've got a very rough stretch right there. And you know, the problem is... There's no, it's very difficult to fight because there's no there's there's no court date. It's just pay us. Well, and they put you know such a careful legislative structure into place. And I think it was former Speaker David Ralston's son who was actually either a lobbyist or worked for one of the school zone camera companies that actually helped them craft the legislation to make it some weird combination of civil and criminal. So you don't have any rights, and it's really just easier for most people to pay rather than go to court when there's not a court to go to. And I, I have seen the yellow flashing lights on holidays that you know kids aren't, like Christmas. I'll, I'll pass a school zone on Christmas and see the lights flashing just because it's programmed wrong. So there's reasonable expectation that the camera could have the same problem. Right. And I mean, obviously, we all want to keep kids safe. We don't want people speeding around through school zones, but these cameras are wildly over-inclusive. So that was a tiny bit of good news out of the legislature. Good on them. Now, here we go. Don't sleep at ATL. The city of Atlanta has revised its loitering statute to restrict airport access to ticketed passengers and those picking up or dropping off passengers. This measure is designed to keep the homeless out of basically the atrium. Obviously, they can't get past uh, security without a ticket. But the airport is, it's warm, it's dry. So I'm sure it is an attractive place. It sure beats sleeping in in the rain. Right. 
Right. It is a, a beautiful airport and they're building, you know, quite the big expansion on right now. Yeah. We were talking before the show. Uh, I got, I got to know, so I'm in a, a several, several airline groups, you know, travel groups and the, the uh, MARTA station at the airport is closed. And we had a story a while back that the South parking, the long-term parking is closed because they're, they're going to build a larger parking deck, which will be great, but it's going to take several years to build. Well, I, on the one hand, the cost of progress. On the other hand, that was the one big use that MARTA was so wonderful for was going down to the airport and removing that functionality is really a problem for a lot of people. It's, it's, that, it's also that it's a double whammy. Is there's no place to park because if you take away the long term parking, everybody's going to fill up the the park and ride lots. Uh, so really, for for me to to I, I'm going to be flying out uh, uh, on a holiday. For me, the the only the only thing I really have is a ride share. Right. And which is fine, you know. It's, it, uh, that means I can have a couple drinks of the plane coming home. Well, but of course, the rideshare area is quite some distance away from the doors. You know, they really want to encourage you to use the taxi service. Right. Well, for Paulding County, taxi is a little difficult. Right. Uh, you know, if, if I was going from from a uh, uh, from one of the hotels downtown, you know, taxi would be would be easy. But we really don't have taxi service out here. We, we do have uh, Lyft and, and, and Uber, and luckily, Lyft you can tie into your SkyMiles get 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 uh, uh, extra miles when you when you pay for Lyft. Well, Atlanta's original name was Terminus, so its existence as a transportation hub is central to the identity of the city. So I'm glad we're at least taking on these issues and struggling with them. And it does look like the city council at least tried to make the ordinance as non-restrictive as possible for people who are meeting and greeting passengers or have some business to do at the airport. Yeah. And, and look, it's for the city council, it's really for, for visitors to the city, that's their first impression. And, and when you hear about things like O'Hare, as, as soon as you leave the, as soon as you leave security, you're stepping over people sleeping in, in, uh, at O'Hare and, and that kind of stuff. Is it really gives a bad impression of Chicago? Chicago is a beautiful city. I don't much care for Wrigley Field; it's a dump. But Chicago is a beautiful city. But that's the first impression you get. But speaking of ATL, we do have a, a, a very sweet story. Uh, Michael Wright was dubbed the Angel of the Airport. Uh, he came to the rescue of a woman, uh, Cindy Tutko. Uh, she lives, I believe, in Florida. Her son is in Red Stick, Baton Rouge. Louisiana, and she was connecting through Atlanta. She had to move from, I think, A to to E or something like that. And the plane train was down. So yeah, Mar- Marta's not, not going to the airport, can't park, and then the plane train was down. She needs a knee replacement. She'd fallen that morning, uh, has a torn ACL, uh, very painful, was walking. Obviously, she didn't check a bag. She's got a heavy satchel plus, plus her personal item, and she's struggling. This guy, uh, she's going from B to F. By the way, I, 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 I've misremembered. It is a haul. I mean, it's 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 a good mile and a half. So he grabs her satchel. She thinks that he's he's snagging her bag, and he says, "Let's do this." 
and walks her to her gate, carrying her, carrying her satchel for her. Uh, she, she calls her son to tell, to tell her that this guy, Michael, from, uh, from, from Bat Rouge, helped her. So he goes out on X, formerly Twitter, and asks uh, about this guy, and his girlfriend sees it, and calls him and said, did you help a lady? Yeah, she, she had knee surgery or needs knee surgery? Because, yeah, yeah, I helped her. They're looking for you. And, uh, and his response was really humble, is, is this shouldn't make the news. I was just helping somebody. Well, and I think it goes to show people want to help each other when they have the opportunity to. Sure. And I will say, as a, as a person who's had joints rebuilt four times, and, I, and I've had to use this service before, if you simply go into your reservation and go to, go to assistance and click wheelchair, there'll be a wheelchair waiting for you. The, the, they stand there with a sign uh, at, the, at the jetway, put you on the wheelchair, and we'll push you to your next gate. And also, it's the fastest way to clear security and really fast to get through customs that way. Well, there's a lot of amenities available at the airport, but I'm certainly glad that Michael was there to help out Cindy. Yeah, it's, 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 called, it's called being a human being. But it, but it, but it is, it's a very nice story. Uh, I, I do feel I do feel for her. Obviously, she didn't know that, uh, that or, or her son didn't know that service was available. And this guy just just see just sees a a, a lady struggling. And instead, of, and I can't I can't imagine the the thousand people who just walked past her, you know, you know, with tunnel vision to get, get to their gate. And and we do we we get absorbed in ourselves, looking down at our phones. Uh, uh, where's my next gate? And and already annoyed that the train's not running, and and just kind of fly by her. And this this poor woman struggling, and somebody took the time to to walk with her. So that that is our one sweet story of the week. <laughs> we <laughs> A little get, southern hospitality. We don't get many of those. So the Navy says no diploma, no problem. They are missing recruiting goals by thousands of sailors. So, so what they're doing, you still have to test. You still have to, to hit minimums on the ASVAB. And I guess there's another military test they do now uh, that they didn't have when, when I went in. But you still have, you still have to test. So you, you can't be developmentally delayed or something like that. You still have to be able to test out. But the Navy has discovered that it doesn't take a high school diploma to swab a deck. Well, certainly the military has classically been an opportunity for people who don't want to take the traditional educational route. Well, it's also has been a, a, a way for people to go to college, for people who, who didn't, get a, didn't get a scholarship and, and don't, have, don't have the money to, to go to college. As, as you go, you put your four years in and use the GI Bill. And, and I've known many, many people who have done that. Uh, I've, I've got a friend I went to high school with who did four years in the Marines. Uh, I think he went to Embry-Riddle after that. And he's now a, a high-ranking pilot at Southwest. 
Well, it seems like it'll be a pipeline for more people to have those opportunities, although it is a little disturbing that so many people are apparently having trouble getting diplomas in our modern education system. I see. I don't think it's hard to get a diploma. It's, you know, we have something like a 98% graduation rate in Paulding County, which I really don't like because if everybody, if anybody can get it, it means nothing. And I've actually told people, you know, they're talking about going back to school and getting their high school diploma. I said, are you going to college? I said, no, this is why. Just no one has ever asked, besides besides joining, joining the Army, no one's ever asked for my diploma. Just check yes. You're fine. High school, they're not learning anything in high school. A lot of these kids are coming out with, with a third grade reading level. There are some really troubling statistics around Georgia. That 98% graduation rate, uh, certainly I've, I've heard much worse from other parts of the state. Well... A high failure rate means that the people who are getting through it accomplish something. If, if you're going into special forces, they don't have a 98%. They have about a 25% success rate because they want the best. Uh, same thing in engineering school. Um, the, the washout rate in, uh, for, for an engineering degree is, is enormously high. Because it's a, it's a difficult program. So it's, it's I don't know, I, I, I would think that anybody who joins the Navy under this program would have an opportunity to either get a GED or complete their, their high school while they're there. There are plenty of opportunities in the military to actually go to college while you're in the military. In fact, the Army has a program where they'll actually pay you to go to school. I think you have to be on your second hitch. You have to, you have to re-up. But your job is to go to school. And from there, you can go what they call green to gold. It's, it's commissioned as an officer after that. And it's an opportunity that a lot of people don't know about. And, and, and there, are, there are pretty high standards to get into this program. You have to, you have to get it past your commanders and, and get recommended and, and all that stuff. But it is a program that, that's offered. And that sort of stuff needs to be highlighted with, with, with recruitment. But I, I think recruitment's being being hurt by quote unquote free college and loan forgiveness. Why? Why would you why would you go and, and give four years of your life when you're not gonna pay back, you don't have to pay back your loans anyway? Just another one of the distortions that comes along with these programs. Well, yeah, they they want to bang on one side and say say college should be free, college should be free, college should be free. And on the other hand, well, why can't we get anybody in the military? Hey, look, the, the only service that, that's actually hitting their goals is the Marines, and the Marines are only hitting it because they're such a small service in comparison to Navy, Army, Air Force. They're such a small service that their, their recruitment goals are, are, are relatively low. You know, there's only two places you go to tra- train in the Marines. It's either San Diego or Paris Island. And they just don't turn out that, that many Marines. They're... they're, they're, they're a department of the Navy. So it's basically the Navy's infantry. Well, you certainly want there to be multiple paths to success for people with all sorts of different gifts. And like you said, uh, education credentials are not always as meaningful as they have been. Yeah. And, and look, there are a lot of jobs 
that even even any other service, you don't need a high school diploma to be a, a light we call light wheel vehicle mechanic, which is they work on Humvees and things like that. But it 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 doesn't take a high school diploma to be a diesel mechanic. the The only concern that I have is if you don't have the the study the 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 ethic the study ethic to to get through high school you the first thing they do in the military once you get out of basic is put you in school whether it's to be a mechanic or if it's if it's to be anything if it's going to be a file clerk they they put you in school and you still have to have the aptitude and the the work ethic and the study ethic to to get through that school or you're going to wash out right well, and I guess in an ideal world, the educational credential would actually be a good proxy for those characteristics. But I guess that's the problem we're seeing, that it no longer represents that, just be represents being able to get through uh, an increasingly troubled public school system, which I think our, our next story really hits on. Yeah, we have a Boston area school that has requested, well, at least four of the board members have requested National Guard to restore order. And this is Brockton High School, uh, right outside of Boston. Uh, teachers, administrators have lost complete control of the high school. Wow. Uh, we're talking about, we're talking about fights. Oddly enough, the, uh, the, their mascot is a box is a boxer, a boxer dog. But fights, drug use, uh, attacking teachers. Well, I mean, these stories, you know, you hear them here in Georgia, too. Um, I, I know someone who actually had to stop teaching because he was attacked by a student and continues to have physical problems from it. So, I mean, it, it, sounds, it sounds like this situation up in Boston has just gotten beyond the pale. But I think this is a problem that teachers are facing all over the country. And th- this particular school is facing a huge problem with teachers calling out sick. And it's, I, I can't blame them. I mean... It, it, the 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 emotional and mental strain that has to go on with with you go into teaching not to make money you go in because you want to educate kids and 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 you spend you spend a lot of money getting your master's degree to go and teach kids and and then you you get you get thrown in the school where you need a flak jacket I don't know if the National Guard is is the is the answer. That seems to be anytime anytime there's a problem, let's let's activate the National Guard. Right, and militarizing the situation at a school, uh, you know, that's that's a huge escalation. But you imagine this is probably a school that has had a school resource officer, multiple school resource officers for some time, and quite frankly, there's a huge problem with school resource officers often being police officers who have gotten demoted from somewhere else for bad behavior. That's happened here in Georgia, uh, down in Dublin, Georgia. There was an officer who had numerous problems on the Dublin Police Department force, and he was made a school resource officer. And then there was an issue with him attacking a parent. So it's, you know, we're, we're not necessarily sending our best officers to interact with students, and that's even if you think police officers need to be in schools in the first place. It's also a, a place where you ride out the last couple years to your retirement. 
So, and there there certainly are some good ones. I don't mean to suggest that every school resource officer oh, of course not. is an individual like that. Just that I have noticed a disproportionate number who that ends up being a place where they are put after uh, poor performance in other areas of law enforcement. And that's incredibly disturbing. So I just wonder how did things get so bad at this high school? You know, what kind of enforcement strategies were being used? And, you know, certainly is, is bringing in the military just going to actively make it a war zone? The only thing I think they could do if they want to bring the National Guard in is to is to give them, put take them, well, BDUs in my day, I don't know what they call the uniforms now, take them out of their out of their uniform and put them in khakis, uh, collared shirt and have them more or less have eyes on the ground. Now, do I think they're going to be in full battle rattle, uh, standing with, with, uh, with an M4 in the hallway? No. The, the, the problem I have with every time they talk about activating the guard and and we talked, there's an argument to do this in Smith state prison, which has uh, a ton of problems where they're life flighting out, you know, several times a month, if not once a week, is you're also ripping these guys and, and gals from, from their civilian jobs, is you're creating holes in the civilian sector that legally can't be filled. You, 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 can't, you can't just, you, if someone gets activated, you can't fire them. You have, to, you have to hold the position for them, a position for them. It's not that you can't bring somebody in to take over that particular position, but you have to hold a position for them for when they get back, whether it's six, nine months. And if you're talking about going and supporting combat operations, that's one thing. But to go go to a prison where these guys are not post-qualified, most of them, and if they are, uh, you're talking about an MP unit, a military police unit, and you're taking officers off the road in their civilian job to go and put them in a jail if they're post-qualified. So I don't know what they could do. And in this case, you're talking about putting putting soldiers in in schools. And honestly, the Army's primary job is to kill people and break things. Uh, the National Guard does that and, and responds to, to to natural disasters, hurricanes, floods, things like that. Well, the state of government education in this country has arguably become a natural disaster. Blow it up. <laughs> it, it, it's really, it, it's, it's time to return the taxpayers' money to them and let them educate their kids in the school that best meets their standards and their values. Absolutely. Absolutely. The freedom to choose the right educational program for an individual or family, it's crucial. And, you know, we do have a lot of great educators in Georgia. I was at the DeKalb Rotary Council breakfast this morning honoring some wonderful educators from around the county. And they're definitely working hard, but we've got to evaluate the results. Do we feel like the our education is better than it was prior to the creation of the Department of Education, for example? If you look at a, a, a test from the early 1900s versus what we're teaching today, it's it, it's it, the difference is is amazing. And I, and I know teachers that are that are leaving the 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 profession or taking a step down and becoming you know a TA, a teacher's assistant. Because it's not because they don't like working with the kids. They they love working with the kids. That's, that's why they they got a degree in, for example, early you know early education. It's the bureaucracy. And honestly, you know, even even as as a right winger, George W. Bush did more to destroy 
education with no child left behind than any Democrat could have even conceived of doing. By, yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with that. And when, you know, we, uh, what is it, five years ago now, we had, the, we had Snowmageddon when we got, where uh, kids were stuck on school buses for, for, for 24 hours. And, and, and it, that came down to money. And these, these superintendents held kids in school past the time they, sh- they should have released them because you have to get half a day to get credit. And that credit means dollars. You get the state dollars and the federal dollars for how many cheeks you have in the seats for, for half a day. So the, the whole education system is on its ear. Discipline is on its ear. Uh, and look, I'm not blaming the teachers in the school per se. It's, it's not the teacher's problem. They're, they're handcuffed. And the parents aren't doing anything. Let me tell you something. If if I if if the school called home and said I was I was acting a fool at school, I assure you that would be the slowest walk home from school ever because I know what's waiting for me at home, and 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 it wouldn't be pretty. And uh, I was taught I I my address my teachers yes ma'am no ma'am, and, and in South Florida because because I was raised by a guy who was raised in Alabama. Uh, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Uh, some of the teachers didn't like it and thought I was being a smart aleck because <laughs> it's full of Yankees. <laughs> even, even, you know, I grew up in a Delta family, even flight attendants. I say, yes, ma'am. I'm not that old. And my father's like, it's not an age thing. It's respect. Uh, spending a lot of time practicing in South Georgia. I definitely encountered that as well. There's, there's actually a, uh, it's called, it's a Southern thing. It's on Facebook. They're funny, but it's how to, how to react to being called ma'am. And it, and it shows a, a kind of a, a Northern woman. Someone said, yes, ma'am. Like, oh, they're thinking they're old. <laughs> <laughs> but, but is that, is, is that respect at home? And it's not, it's not that I, I wasn't abused at home, but I knew there was an expectation of, of behavior. Now, if, if I got in a fist fight, that was fine. If it, it was one-on-one, square off, win or lose, that was fine. But getting in a brawl at school or attacking a teacher, I wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. Got to have accountability. Yeah. So we have another week, another dead Russian. Maxim Kuzminov, I did my best there, <laughs> pulled off a daring escape. This is a helicopter pilot, a Russian helicopter pilot, that defected to to the Ukraine. Uh, he was in touch with uh, with agents, uh, Ukrainian agents within Russia, agreed to a five hundred thousand dollar payout if he would deliver a functional Russian helicopter. So he goes to he flies below the radar, and this this is stuff movies are made of. Uh, flies beneath the radar. And it lands in a uh, predetermined area in, I believe, northern Ukraine. He's met by Ukrainian special forces to, to be escorted, uh, escorted safe. He, they were strafed by, by uh, Russian aircraft, uh, delivering a very valuable piece of military equipment to the Ukrainians and a very valuable intel with, with codes, tactics, uh, and, and, and all that information is hugely useful to the, to the Ukrainian for, forces. This is not what you do to Putin. 
I mean, Putin considers that this is the this is the highest crime possible, because because obviously he doesn't have a problem with murder, uh, but uh, highest crime possible, and he was warned not to leave the country, but he did. Uh, he he moved to Spain, and there's an area of Spain on the coast, and and look, I, I don't blame him. I love Spain, uh, especially the the southern coast. But he, he moved to the coast of Spain, and his body was found riddled with bullets. Well, it, it does sound like a movie, you know, a, a daring escape. And hopefully he enjoyed the past year, and hopefully it was of value to the Ukrainian forces. I'm sure it was. Uh, speaking of, I saw a, the interview with Brett Baer with uh, uh, the Ukrainian president. He is very charming. Well, he's a lawyer and actor. Yes, yes. So, so exactly. Yeah, is is he's very, very charming. He makes a very good case. Uh, I still don't want American gold and American blood being spilled in, in in Ukraine, but he 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 made his case very, very well. And and I don't blame him. If if I were in his place, I would be I'd be begging for help too. And he he said they can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. But you know, and and. and as we record, and uh, we're just about at the two-year anniversary of, of the Russian invasion. And, and the Russians thought this would be over in two weeks. It's, it's a brutal situation. Oh, it really shows to the grit of the, of the people of Ukraine. It's, it's the difference between going and fighting thousands of miles thousands of miles away and fighting from your doorstep and when, when you talk about fighting from your doorstep we're talking about grandmothers who would uh, would were picking up ak-47s we're talking about the anybody who 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 could walk and pull a trigger were, were grabbing weapons and volunteering and uh the, that kind of that that kind of grit kind of lets lets us know why we have the Second Amendment here. It's not it's partially to, to as we we are all part of the militia. Everyone who's of fighting age is part of the militia, uh, constitutionally speaking. Uh, militia is under the Constitution is under the theory of posse posse comitatus. You, you know more more Latin than I do, obviously, Counselor. My pronunciation is always awful with Latin, even though I took five years of it. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's the idea that you can raise an army and you, they can go and grab their own weapons and go fall in and, and become part of the militia to, to defend, you know, back when the Constitution was, was written, their state, your town, uh, against outlaws. Insurgents, but one of the quotes I think Yamamoto said: "If invading mainland U.S., there'd be a gun behind every blade of grass." But that's how important it is to be able to defend yourself. And of course, we also have the the Second Amendment to defend ourselves against the government. Exactly. 
You never know where the threat is going to come from, although odds are it's probably going to be from a government, whether your own, whether an enemy foreign or domestic. Right. Yeah. And that our founding fathers just got done in a rebellion. It, they didn't create the Second Amendment for hunting. They created the Second Amendment for this, for this exactly, because Putin considers this a civil war. Ukrainians consider it a, a war for survival. And it's average citizens. They, they were passing out AK-47s just out of a crate to anybody who wanted them. Here, take it, take it, take it. And, and Putin is, is creating the, the, the old Soviet Union. He's an old school KGB guy. Wasn't he Gorbachev's driver when Gorbachev was touring the United States? Uh, quite possible. Yeah, he's. Uh, I have not watched the Tucker Carlson interview with him uh, uh, myself, but I understand that there was a pretty long disquisition into Russian history that I think is probably instructive uh, for those of us in countries who, you know, measure it in just a few centuries. Yeah, and look, I love the Russian people. The Russian people are warm, they're welcoming, they're some of the nicest people you ever meet. Their government, however, is evil. Putin's a KGB guy. You said it. You know? Brutal. Absolutely brutal. He, he uh, last week, took another, another U.S. citizen, a dual citizen. Uh, she was a ballerina, uh, immigrated to the U.S., had dual citizenship. Uh, which Putin does not recognize dual citizenship. She went home to visit her her mother, her mamushka, and is thrown in jail. Is facing twenty years. We have the Wall Street Journal uh, journalist that's still sitting in prison for espionage, quote unquote espionage, working for the for the Wall Street Journal. This is not a good time to go to go to Saint Petersburg just to hang out and go see the sights. Definitely not. Although I I do have to say, obviously, wars of aggression are never acceptable. But I also am always suspicious of lawyers in politics, particularly ones with the acting background, like Zelensky, because there are some pretty troubling stories about repression happening in Ukraine during wartime as well, in terms of churches being shut down and uh, other and folks being arrested there for failure to comply with conscription orders. So it's really just a horrific situation for liberty all around. Very Lincoln-esque. You know, Lincoln jailed uh, journalists for not towing the line. Uh, as uh, uh, Salaji says, Lincoln was a tyrant. So it's, it, Zelensky is not a good guy. The, the, the government of Ukraine are not good people. These, these are the people that uh, Burisma was involved in. Uh, a very, very corrupt government. Now, I, I'm with you. The, the war of aggression, if, if Ukraine was left alone, if, uh, the people can decide how, how they want to handle their own government and leave them alone. If they, if they want to overthrow their government, that's on them. Uh, leave us out of it. The, the, the Russian aggression shows a, a bit of arrogance. And f- from a military standpoint, the Russian army is, operates very differently from ours. They treat their, their enlisted horribly. They're poorly trained. Their officers almost despise them. 
and, and treat them as such, as, as so they despise them. And that has a real morale effect on, on their troops. And I think that that has a, a huge effect on, on why they are so ineffective on taking, taking on Ukraine, a, a ragtag army. People fighting for their homeland have an advantage. Sure, absolutely. It is, it's, it's very different when you are fighting to save your baby than it is when you're fighting to save somebody else's baby 10,000 miles away. Right. So, speaking of, the bloodletting has begun at Boeing. Ed Clark, who is the head of the 737 MAX program, has been canned. He's being replaced by Katie Ringgold, not that I know who she is, effective immediately, which was last week. So the 737 MAX is the plane that had a door plug that bolts were not either installed or tightened correctly, and that caused that Alaska Airlines flight where the, where the door plug flew off at 19,000 feet. Thank God no one was, was seriously injured, although I think a toddler had his shirt ripped off. When, when that's, the, that's miraculous that, you know, despite that catastrophic failure, you still don't have any serious injuries. Yeah, there's 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 a few things that that went right in that. One thing is they were only at nineteen thousand feet, so the pilot was able to get down to breathable air very quickly. It, they were not far from from an airport, able to turn around and 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 get on the ground. Um, and and we've said on the show before, this is not planes don't operate like Goldfinger, where uh, a bullet goes through the window and then someone sucked out. <laughs> sucked out of the window when the plane depressurizes. That's, that's, that's not how it works. Obviously, if you have a, 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 a flight, I can't remember what plane it was, what airline, it, it, was, it was in Hawaii, that the top ripped off the airplane and a, and a, a flight attendant went out with it. Uh, so that's a little different situation, but that wasn't due to depressurization. That was just due to, to you know, not being secured in your seat. I guess she was, I guess, up doing beverage service or, or checking on people, whatever it was. But even that plane was was landed safely, other than other than the uh, the employee or employees that that were that were killed, and that that's tragic. But when a plane depressurizes, once once the pressure's equal, that that's it. You're not sucked out like, like I know I'm old. Uh, the movie Goldfinger. <laughs> but it's it's interesting that that. There, I don't think it's it's going to stop stop there. I think it'll be several supervisors uh, going down the line. But this this was a, a quality control issue, a QC issue. Well, and it looks like Ed Clark's being held responsible for that. Uh, I'm sure he has a golden parachute. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be on, on the corner in Seattle with a with a tin cup anytime soon. <laughs> And, 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 and I say that, and I say that tongue in cheek. I know there's there's more to, there's more to life than money. Is, is his name is 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 forever damaged in aviation now. And if that's all you've known your entire professional life, you know that's that that's hard. I mean, I hadn't heard the name before, and here we are talking about him as the guy responsible for the door coming off. Yeah, and it's it's on every news outlet, and forever. And if you hire an employee at that level, you do at least a, a Google search on him. And forever with with his name, of course. Luckily, his name is is not unique. Ed Clark, 
But if, if you do if you do a search on them in the next, I'd say five years, what's going to come up is, especially if you say, you know, Ed Clark Boeing, it's it's going to pop up with he got canned because he couldn't couldn't uh, control the quality on his own plant. You know, at this point, I don't think he could get hired as a as a line mechanic. Now, this is a good time to remind you these are our opinions, not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. All right, the mule. Google Gemini. This was a big story last week. Google Gemini is AI. And when we say artificial intelligence, it's not truly intelligence. It's an algorithm. It's, uh, I think they call it GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. Right. So this thing was, was, was programmed a little too high on DE&I. If you asked for, asked uh, uh, Gemini to create a picture of founding fathers, George Washington was black. Uh, image of the Pope was a black woman. Which there hasn't been a black pope, and I don't, I don't, I don't think that there's any reason there won't be. You know, there are plenty of high-ranking bishops that 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 are black. I, there's no reason there wouldn't be a black pope, but there certainly would not be a female pope. And that's just not that's just not how the Catholic Church works. At least not in our lifetime. Right. So it obviously was following some kind of instruction that is divorced from the reality of the representations being asked for. Now, if you ask it to create a picture of a white man, it says, I can't do that. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Uh, it, it comes back with, uh, with some inclusion statement about how it doesn't, it, it doesn't, you can't do that because of uh, uh, diversity and inclusion. And I'm programmed to be diverse. But it, 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 apparently somebody asked for a, a hockey player, and they put, basically put a picture of Michael Jordan with no teeth. Uh, give me a picture, uh, a picture of the moon landing, and it was, it was black women landing on the moon. It's not to say that there won't be a black woman land on the moon. In fact, last week we had uh, the first U.S. moon landing in 50 years. Not, not manned, but, but we, you know, a, a private company put, put something on the moon. And it's, it's not to say that there won't be, but when you start messing with history, that means they turned up that diversity uh, dial a little too high, you know? Right. I mean, there's the issue of reality and distorting reality. And, and certainly we don't want to do that in the service of providing equal recognition for all human beings. Well, they did ask for, oh, they asked for pictures of Nazi soldiers and they came back with black Nazi soldiers and, a, and, a, and, a, and an Asian woman Nazi soldier. <laughs> That's probably well, one that, uh, that folks don't want to be included in with inclusion. At least there's a little consistency. <laughs> but but it, it, it and, and Google has, I won't say outright apologize. It said, oh, we need to tweak this a little bit. No. You don't need to tweak it a little bit. You need to throw it away and reprogram the thing completely so that it understands historical accuracy. Because think, think about being a kid and trying to write a report and, and you go into this into an AI program and say, 
you know, ask about George Washington, it brings up a picture of a black man. Now, they, they did ask for revolutionary soldiers, and they came up with black revolutionary soldiers, which I don't have a problem with because there were black revolutionary I- soldiers. Christmas addicts at the very, you know, one of the very first uh, Austin massacre incidents. Absolutely. A- so yeah, absolutely. There, there were, there were uh, uh, enslaved and free uh, black people who, who fought to, to establish this country. So that, that one didn't bother me because that, that could be completely accurate. Uh, now, did it represent 90% of, of the, of the revolution army? Of course not. But we, we certainly, the, the, the contributions by people of all races that and and, and all nationalities you, you talk about Lafayette uh, need to be represented when we talk about when we talk about the revolution and, and if you're talking about civil war the uh, the Massachusetts regiment the 54th mm-hmm. uh, certainly needs, needs to be represented and and diversity in history should be represented they asked for to uh, to generate roman soldiers and they came back with black roman roman uh, legionnaires and in fact there were black roman legionnaires because the rome the romans as they conquered countries brought people into the fold and they became roman so were they uh, were they all no of course not were there some yes there were and that's that's historically accurate to say that but when you ask for a image of Julius Caesar and they represent him as a, as a black man, no. We we have an idea of what Julius Caesar looked like because because we have his 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 marble busts and all that stuff. So we have an idea of what he looked like. Well, and I want to give a shout out to an organization in Georgia that's doing it right, the Coastal History Museum down in St. Simons. Uh, they did a fantastic job of putting together an exhibit of, you know, people who might not have been recognized previously, like Mary Musgrove, the half Creek, half Scottish woman who translated for James Oglethorpe at, you know, the outset of the colony of Georgia. And so it is wonderful when we can go back in history and recognize people's contributions that, you know, have not been foregrounded before. But as you've pointed out, this Google Gemini just is a reality distortion. There's also a history museum in Savannah that does a really cool thing. I, I did, it's, it's sort of a kid's thing, but I, I did it anyway because I'm a history nerd. Uh, where they have a, a reenactor walks you through uh, going up to a readout that, that is, that's more or less still there. I mean, the mound is still there. But it gives you a perspective of how how these guys were fighting and how small a readout was. And a readout is is a I know I know you know this, Catherine, but a readout is just an earthen fort. It's just a mound of dirt with uh, with obstacles in front of it that you you basically seal yourself in and hope to survive. And, and what these guys went through. But that's that's off subject. But yeah, the the, the history museum in Savannah is fantastic, also. And you know, I, I don't go to Savannah because because of the mayor down there. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys have uh, gotten crossways with him a few him a few times. <laughs> yeah. So I have never seen this before. It was a no knock raid on a reservist deserter. Uh, Sergeant first class E seven, E seven, twenty four years in the army. Uh, Shantaya Williams alleged crime failing to accept a transfer in the Army Reserve from a position in human resources in Texas to a similar position in Virginia. That's two things I've never heard of. I've never heard of a reservist being transferred halfway across the country. It's just not done. And mostly it's not done because of... 
in order to do that, you take a two-day drill, you know, Saturday and Sunday. Now this person has to leave on Friday, catch a flight, you know, obviously at the Army's expense, and then go to a hotel, obviously at the Army's expense, and get fed three meals a day at the Army's expense uh, once a month and then two weeks every, you know, for, for, uh, for annual training. Very rare for that to happen. But she's a mother of six, had a, a one-year-old she was breastfeeding when they beat her door down, tossed in a flashbang, went in in full tactical gear. The, the, wow. vi- the, video, the video is amazing. I, I don't know if you watched the – the video was hard to watch. These flashbang no-knock raids always are. I mean, it is brutal and it is amazing that only as – the, the number of people who are seriously injured or killed is not even greater than it already is. I think we had a baby killed in Georgia a few years ago. They tossed a flashbang well, in and it, went, and it hit the crib. And miraculously, he did not die. He was very seriously injured, uh, especially facially. But uh, miraculously, baby Boo Boo Fonsaban survived. And, you know, uh, we should we should check in with him. I think he's probably maybe 10 or 11 now. And... Uh, that that case was just horrific. God, I'm getting old if he's 10 or 11. Uh, they know there's a baby in the house. They know that this is this is this is mother of six, but they again they the SWAT comes in, U.S. Marshals come in, and I'm amazed the U.S. Marshals don't have don't wear body camera. The only body camera footage is from the local police. I guess it's Grand Prairie, Texas. Um, so the video starts a hundred yards away, and you know you kind of you kind of see what's going on. You hear you hear the officers talking, and then then they go in, and and you and you see what's going on. And the I I assume eldest son is losing his mind. Uh, they handcuff him, they detain him. They they don't arrest him. So they go in. The sixteen year old daughter is hysterical, which totally understandable. You're, you're you're sitting there. Your, your mom's nursing nursing the baby. Uh, everything's quiet, and next thing you know, there's an explosion in your living room. the The quote that really got me in the video, and it and and if I misquoted, I'm sorry. I you know I only watched it once. I couldn't watch it twice. Uh, they're they're asking her to put her hands behind her back. She says, "Let me put my breast away first. Wow! And pulled a nursing baby away from its from its mother. To arrest her for for desertion, uh, she asks him to, to she 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 t- tells everybody to calm down. She she doesn't she doesn't put up a fight. She uh, uh, is handcuffed. She asks him to grab her ID. They go through her purse, pull her driver's license, grab my military ID. It's in my computer, which is a CAC card. Uh, a CAC is repetitive to say card. It's common access card uh, to to grab it from her computer because she'd been working from home. And as she's being led out, she says she's been in contact with her commander and that she's been working from home. Now, I don't know if she's an active reservist. I know that sounds like a contradiction in terms, but every reserve unit has uh, three or four active people that, that handle business that has to be handled during the week. So if you're only there on the weekends, you know, you, there's other business that has to be handled during the week. So your motor daddy, the guy's in charge of the motor pool, training NCO, uh, and an admin, typically, you know, typically three people in a, in, a, in a reserve unit will be will be active reservists, which means they're on they're technically reservists, but they're they're activated for I think a two year period at a time for a contract. I know that's getting into the weeds, but she was she was fighting this. Uh, she's an HR specialist. She knew what she was doing when she was fighting it. 
And I don't know if she was a troublemaker, what the deal was. But with 24, she had 24 good years. She joined the Army in 1997, two years after I did, which means she's no spring chicken. Um, so she's been, she's been around the Army a, a, a good long time. And as she's being let out, she's, she's talking to the marshals and they're like, we don't, we don't, we can't help you. You, you have to go tonight. And the last report is she's being held at Fort Sill and allowed to come home on weekends. Six children, including a nursing infant. Wow. Be all you can be in the army reserves. You know, I, I don't know why, how this is not being shown more. The, the the brutality of of a no knock warrant and and they said we went to your house and and you looked out at us and, and didn't come out because no no that didn't happen now considering that she's got five kids and I think and from what I could tell maybe her mother was there so there are other people in the house that, that and the sixteen year old probably if, if it was the sixteen year old because they they I'm sure they look alike uh, was looking out she was probably told not to open the door for strangers. But they, again, apparently, they say they tried to serve a warrant peacefully and and didn't. So so this this was their this was their solution. Instead of going to her civilian job, instead of instead of catching her when she was getting in the car or something else, they they decide to go and traumatize six kids and, and do it this way, as if they were assaulting a, a, a mafia boss. Well, and you wonder about the experience these children have. You know, I I had a case uh, again down in Dublin where a no-knock raid was executed and a woman was hiding in the closet with her baby and they shot her in the arm while she was holding her baby. And you have to wonder, how is this child going to grow up? You know, what kind of attitude are they going to have towards law enforcement? You know, what kind of trauma are they going to end up being the problem at Brockton High School? Yeah, you are a product of your environment. And look, this this woman had a had a had a nice home. Grand Prairie is not a is not a bad area. Uh, she she had a she was providing a nice home for her kids. Uh, of course, there was baby stuff everywhere. But anybody who has one year old has baby stuff everywhere. Uh, but it, it it was a, it was a clean, uh, nice neighborhood. And I'm sure the neighbors were none too pleased to see. You know, 10, 10 police cars surrounding a house and, and listening to explosions. I'm just, I, I'm glad that nobody re- tried to reach in his pocket to show ID or anything. It's miraculous more damage wasn't done, but I mean, the damage done, ripping an infant away from his mother's breast, that's not the kind of thing we want to be associated with. I, I, you'd like to say, just let her finish. So here we come with the with a sad update. Ashley Griffin is still in prison two years later awaiting trial. This is a, a case that was followed very closely by, by the Georgia Virtue. This is the battered woman who shot her abuser as he was attacking her. Uh, she was in the shower, pregnant with, the, with their second child. Uh, he had been uh, convicted before by Daphne Totten for abusing her the first time. Nearly, nearly cost her the baby. He went to counseling, was on probation. She, she led him back into her life as, as the father of her child. And often as what happens with abusers is, is they, they toe the line for a while. 
but that character flaw comes out. And she was uh, was ripped out of the shower. She's obvi- obviously naked because I like to take my clothes off before I get in a shower. Um, and she had a gun hidden in a, in a cabinet, as I recall, and went and got it. And as he was coming at her, popped him twice and, and killed him. Which is a, a happy ending to any abuser. Exactly. They... Uh, they didn't give her a chance to, to now, now, now she's she runs out naked out of the house yelling for help running to the to the neighbor again right out of the shower scared wanting an ambulance cuz she didn't want to kill him she just wanted to stop she wanted to stop the attack which is the goal of when when you have to use deadly force is stop the attacker it, it's, it's not revenge it's not to, to go and do a kill shot it's to stop the attacker so the Barkley Black prosecutes her and argues that the first shot was justified, the second was not. Prosecutors. Wow. Things they have never, ever said when talking about a law enforcement officer's use of force. I was trained. You shoot until the threat stops. If you, if you, and, and, and look, what people understand is, and, and most, most gun people do, and obviously you do, uh, this is not the movies. This is not you shoot somebody and they go flying backwards. That's not how it works. You put a, you put a hole in somebody and they're still in the fight. And you, you continue to put holes in them until the fight stops. And that's when you stop shooting. I mean, you, obviously you don't stand over somebody and give, you know, give, a, give a kill shot. But you, you, and she did. She, she popped him twice. And here's, here's what, I, what I want to hear your opinion on. The uh, the jur- the the foreman of the jury breaks his order and goes and researches on his own uh, aggravated assault and sees the- and then goes back in the jury box and says not jury box but in- into the room and says she'll only get probation but we need to teach her a lesson about using guns. That just makes me sick. That, that someone would take their responsibility as a juror to judge the government's case to see if whether or not they have proved beyond a reasonable doubt that this person is a criminal in need of going to prison and that he would decide to take some paternalistic anti-Second Amendment attitude with someone who used a gun exactly for what it should be used for, to defend against an attacker. Well, she's waiting for appeal, and as a layman, I think she has a very good case based on the statements of the jurors. It does sound like those are some good grounds. If there was independent research conducted by the foreman, and if he was giving the rest of the jury incorrect information that they relied on regarding punishment, I, you know, this is... This is why we need more juror education. This is why we need more fully informed juries. Got to put in a plug for fully informed jury association, FIJA.org, where people can understand this is an awesome civic responsibility for your fellow humans, not an opportunity to try to teach somebody a lesson unless they have actually been the wrongdoer. Then you teach them a lesson. I don't like lesser charges. I think you should dance with the girl you brought. If you think it's murder, then prove it. 
I, I, I despise lesser, lesser charges. Either, either it was murder or it wasn't. You don't, you don't get to, I don't, I don't like the, the Scantron of it was, you could do this, this, or this, or this for the same action. If, if, if Barkley Black thought it was aggravated assault, that's the charge he should have brought. And I guarantee if he brought that charge alone, she would have walked. Or if he brought, brought murder alone, she'd have walked. They get a lot of bites at the apple as prosecutors. And it's just one of the ways that the system is weighted so strongly against defendants that people don't even realize. They think they're coming in and watching a fair fight. But, you know, the analogy I always make is in the movie Gladiator when Commodus stabs uh, the gladiator in the back and then puts his armor on and then they have to go out and fight. Defendants are operating in that position all the time with these prosecutors who have massive power at every stage of the proceedings. Yeah, and look, Daphne Totten, horrible human being. Uh, this this is a woman who who leaves people in jail for a couple years, and then when the trial comes up, loses, and, and they're found, they're found not guilty. That that whole that that whole circuit up there is a mess. I, I mean, I don't, I, based on what I know of the case and what I've read of the case, I wouldn't even, as a prosecutor, I wouldn't even bring charges. You defended yourself, you defended, you defended your baby and your unborn baby. Good on you. Let's get to the- And why didn't the judge grant the immunity motion? You know, there were multiple opportunities for the government to do the right thing and not subject this already traumatized woman to further trauma, but they didn't take any of them. No, it's, 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 to say problematic makes light of it. It's disgusting. This, this was, this was a battered woman who, de- who defended her, herself and her children against an attacker. Who had previously been prosecuted by the same district attorney's office. They had already prosecuted him as an offender and... Yeah, just just sickening on so many levels. And by all accounts, she was she was a good kid. Uh, she, like so like so many women, uh, 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 she she fell in love with with a bad guy. And and I I I don't know what 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 the attraction women have for 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 a holes is, but I, I but. She, Unfortunately, given the politicians that men choose as well, I think it's a natural part of the human condition. <laughs> People are very attracted to confidence and swagger. And unfortunately, that is often goes hand in hand with people who are, as you said, assholes. Yeah. And I want her to get, get her, get her, her retrial. But as we're running long, and, and I know uh, Eric's actually uh, on the on the board on this one, li- 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 listening to us. I'm sure he I'm sure he's like looking at his watch, like <laughs> let me get out of here. Uh, <laughs> Catherine, do you have any closing thoughts? Just that this sweep of stories we've gone over has been a really sobering look at a lot of violence. You know, violence of overseas, violence here at home, violence in schools, violence in homes. And I just hope we can all take a, a hard look at, you know, that that role that it's playing in society. And, you know, when we are asking government to do violence on our behalf and the kind of ripple effect that that has through society, because, 
you know, I think we can all agree that people like Ashlyn Griffin should be safe from their abusers. And unfortunately, the government became her second abuser and is currently abusing her right now. So if I end up in bracelets and need representation, how do I find you? www.justice.law for all your legal needs. I do all criminal defense and our firm also handles civil rights litigation and even things like car wrecks. Excellent. And, and, and from everything that I've seen of, of your work, you also work with indigent clients. You, you do, you do a lot of good work in the community and, and I, I am, I am so happy that, that, that you accepted my invitation. I, I honestly didn't, I, I didn't think that, that uh, you'd even make time for, for our little show. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. And like I said, you did a great job of pulling together some really important stories that I hope can kind of make us all think about, you know, what what role is it that we want government to play? And what are the social problems that are getting so bad that our neighbors are going to be calling out for more government intervention to solve them? Well, I'm going to end on a, on a good note with my closing closing thought. Good on Dave Portnoy. He is the owner of Barstool Sports. He's the guy that does pizza reviews. Saved uh, many, many restaurants during during the pandemic when he when he went out and did pizza reviews and got got people to to go go to these restaurants and and he didn't go to any chains. Went to mom and pops, but he has inspired people to adopt dogs. He adopted a a dog that was in a hoarding situation that was being bred for for uh, fighting dogs, I believe, because it's because she's a pit bull. But it's Miss Peaches. Miss Peaches has, uh, as of recording, raised two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars for for this organization that that rescues dogs and and gets them gets them to good homes. This dog literally went from the outhouse to the penthouse. Because now she's flying on private jets, living living in Miami and in a in a mansion. Uh, and look, I, I love Dave Portnoy. I, I, uh, he, if you watch his stuff, he is a bit foul mouthed, which does not offend me. But he uh, he he has done so well and and so good by this dog. But this dog has more Instagram followers than he does now. <laughs> <laughs> so again, big thanks to Catherine Bernard for for. Uh, Giving her time for giving us time for our silly little show. To Eric Cumby for our editor. I'm Dave Roberts. We'll talk to you next week. Catch me howling at the moon